Hello, and welcome to Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate, a show about buying and selling homes in Montana and the power realtors and power lenders that make that happen. We are your hosts, Colleen Wood. And I'm Alicia Retz. Each week, we will discuss the housing market, how to navigate it, and what questions you need to be asking yourself along the way. But that's not all. We will also dive into how to navigate the ins and outs of being leaders in business and how to build a robust and dynamic team within that business and navigating the world as a career-driven professional, all while raising a family. Join us as we share our highs and lows in real estate, business ownership, and motherhood. Hey, girl. Hey. Hello. I feel like it's been a minute since I've seen it's you. It's podcast day. I Ooh. love podcast day. It's been a minute. It's been it's, a minute. It's been a minute. I've missed you. I know. <gasps> we always come in here going a million miles an hour and then we get just take a minute to try to not look at our phones. <laughs> and we have an awesome guest here. Yeah, we do. We do. We have Tara Bowman here with Engel and Folkers from Western Frontier over on the other side of the state. The pretty side of the state. Yes. Oh, it's gorgeous here too. Yeah. But I think it kind of, well, okay. I'm not the only one that thinks that. I think it goes downhill east of Billings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Literally goes downhill actually. Literally. Okay. I'm being factual, not just honoring. All right, girlfriend. Well, you're a newer agent and we want to hear all about it. You've had some major career changes. You're a mama, you're a wife, but now you're a superstar realtor. Tell us all about it. Well, thank you for that title. Um, <laughs> I am so excited to be here with you guys. Like I said a moment ago, the rest of you didn't hear this part, but I have listened to every podcast. <laughs> I stalk them on Instagram. I am the biggest fangirl. I am uh, so excited to be here. I love that you reached out to us and you had a question about cold calling and how I broke it down exactly how to do it. And you just picked up the phone, which right there means you're going to be successful. Oh, yeah. She's brave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's brave. Yep. Because we sound intimidating. <laughs> At least that's what people so cool. say. Oh, I've heard that so many times. Like, you're so much nicer than I thought you'd be. <laughs> oh what do you think I was? No, I was totally excited to be here. I'm like, you guys are my people. This is Aww. great. So. Okay. I know you got your license early, late summer last year, but really didn't start going until winter. And you're crushing it already. Yeah. I know like expectations are different when you see other people around you who have, you know, 20 things under contract or something, but you've already closed a lot of deals. Yeah. So funny thing about that is I was probably way more overconfident in what I was going to do because I'm like, oh yeah, 2 million, no problem. <laughs> I didn't start till June. 2 million, no problem. Right. And by the end of the year, I was like, oh honey, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it has been an amazing learning experience though. I Someone asked me about it the other day and I said, well, it's great because I don't feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose anymore. Yeah. So yeah. that part's really great. Um, I feel like you have a little bit more control and understanding and yeah, yeah, more than two seconds down the road of, oh, wait, what does that stand for? What does that right, 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 right. <laughs> Google. There's always constantly. Google. Yeah. We love the Google. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say that probably the biggest compliment came to me from a referral that one of my colleagues in my office, our shop, that's our term. Right. We have, right, right. We yep. have people come into shop. Mm -hmm. And she gave me this referral for this couple that she said, I'm just too busy. I cannot meet with them. Will you please take them? Mm -hmm. And so I took them on. And what they were initially looking for was like miles and miles and miles, literally away from where I live. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, so this place you want to look at is like two hours away. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Oh, this isn't a bedroom community? No. Mm -hmm. Oh, people get that. Montana, yes. they think 
yeah, we operate anywhere in Montana. Yeah. 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 They had no idea. So anyway, we sat down and we actually met for breakfast and they are realtors themselves in Las Vegas. So all of a sudden the expectation (laughs) went from here (laughs) to like, oh my gosh, I'm going to puke out of my eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) And we were, I don't know, probably 10, 15 minutes into the conversation. And she was, she's definitely the powerhouse of the two. And yep. I don't want to say that as anything. That's a compliment. No, no, no. But, yeah. but she leads. Right. Definitely. Right. There's always one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. And so we're talking and she said, so how long have you been in the industry? Cause she had just done been, or had just finished telling me how long they had been doing this together. And I said, Oh, this is my first year. And she was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, wow, you seem really experienced. And I said, Oh, great. Oh, oh good. I'm glad. That is a great that. compliment though. Act as if. Act as if you how you carry yourself, you know, and I got, I get that from all of your social media. I mean, we only know each other through social media uh, (laughs) thus far, but I thought you were very well-versed and I had no, when you had said that you were a newer agent, I, I I was really surprised. Oh, wow. And the way you carry yourself too, I can just tell you have that confidence that. She's wearing red pants. She's wearing hot (laughs) pants. Yeah. I mean. There are company colors. Oh, there you go. She's rocking it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could wear red pants yet though. I mean. Sure you could. Yes, you can. I saw you in that hot red dress. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) One of our previous podcasts, we're talking about body image. And then I saw you in that dress. I'm like, shut the fuck up. That body girl. Like what the hell? Uh, Hubba. Oh, but oh you my haven't seen God. the picture, go find it. <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh, it's gorgeous. You guys are making me blush, stop it. <laughs> well, so it was a super, super hard year last year to be a new agent anywhere in the United States, yeah. let alone one of the most desirable areas in the country. Montana, people have been coming from every corner of the world, it feels like, yes. to be here. And so to be a newer agent, I mean, frankly, a lot of them got squashed. Mm-hmm. and couldn't be competitive. We've kind of we've kind of laughed with some veteran agents about what they what they kind of tell newer agents of what it is that they do, you know, what they can expect their first year and it was like, well, pretty much eat rice and beans and you're not going to make any money. And so tell me like how have you been competitive in order to get buyers, get listings? I mean, you have a beautiful listing. Damn, you. can you imagine yes. she's got listings? I know. For a first-year agent, that's nuts. That's insane. Yeah. So I've been really fortunate that I have been able to co-list a few things. Um, one of my good friends is a colleague in my shop. So she has taken me under her under her wing a bit. And so we've been women able helping to women. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I think the most important part is making people feel like they're seen. Yeah. And making sure that you hear what they're saying and getting that connection point with them. I love meeting new people. And I know I'm totally jumping ahead on you know oh, those no. things on the list <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I love meeting new people and I love figuring out what makes people tick. Yeah. I love the psychology of people and I love being able to connect with them and give them what they want. Sometimes, most of the time, Alicia's nodding over here. Yes, most of the yeah. time we can't give them what they want because it doesn't exist. Right, right, <laughs> right. But what you're saying, though, can't be taught. You can learn the real estate stuff. You can mm-hmm. figure all that out as you go. But understanding people and, like you said, listening to them, I feel like that's a skill that you either kind of have or you don't to really hear them. Even if they're not giving you the actual words, you mm-hmm. can read through it. And yeah. pick up on their energy, whether they like the home or not. Exactly. And sometimes you're right. They can't find the right words. And sometimes that's our job is to give them the right words or the right way to frame it. 
because they're on the fence or they're not sure, or they're like, well, mm, okay, I hear you. You're not even using the words of you just threw up three red stop signs at me, Mm -hmm. but I hear that. And I know we need to approach this from a different way. You need a little reassurance. Maybe you need your hand held. Maybe you just need to know that it's okay to take a risk. Mm-hmm. You know, we, right. all, we all need that reassurance. Yes. And if you come with confidence too, it gives them more confidence. I see new agents where they just can't, they really don't know. So they just waffle back and forth. And when they ask, <laughs> a, when a client asks a direct question, when you can give them a direct answer, they feel that. They do. And they, they can understand when you're being genuine, even when your answer is, you know, I'm not really sure about that. Let me find that out for you. Exactly. Because we, you can't know every last little thing, no matter how long you've been in an industry there, every situation has its own particular pieces to it. And mm-hmm. sometimes those every aren't right there. Every single deal is different. Every yeah. person is different. Mm-hmm. And we learn something new every day. Absolutely. And so I think the biggest struggle that new agents have is that they are still so focused on those dollar signs. Yeah. That they're stepping over people to get to the dollars and all they're doing is squashing those potential relationships they could have because this is a people business and you right. got to have a long game. You know, um, I had a really amazing coffee with a bombshell realtor in our market, Aris and Antonucci Burns, last week. And I literally went into the coffee appointment thinking we were going to talk about business. And we ended up talking about everything else other than business. And one of the things that she had talked about is the monkey brain that we have. And because we're women, we're trying to multitask all the time. You're, you know, you're, you're a newer agent. You're thinking about all the right things you're possibly supposed to say and how you're supposed to say it and what you're supposed to be doing in order to be able to sell the deal. Or like for us, I'm thinking about transactions that we currently have in process literally while I'm having a conversation with somebody else. And you know, people can read that you have a monkey brain going on. They can see, they can, especially women, we can see that there's other things going on in that person's head. And even just talking to you right now, I can feel that you are just in one place at this place right now. And you're focused on the one person in one conversation. And that's a gift because most of us are going 90 miles an hour in our mind as much as we try to fake it. It's one of my biggest pet peeves when you're at a party and having a good conversation with somebody and their eyes are darting to see who else is coming into the room. Oh, I have that habit. Yeah. Just try to be in the moment with that person. You'll still be able to see everybody else. And you can just feel like, okay, you're half here with me, but... Yeah, just have this moment with me now and we can move on. We'll talk to somebody else I have as they that come habit. in. Yep. I wish that I didn't. Yeah. It is because we're constantly looking towards the door. We're constantly looking and making sure, you know, that we've acknowledged everybody. We don't want to ignore anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish we could do better. I wish yeah. we could do better. So what was your previous history? Where where did you come from? And how did you get into real estate? It's kind of a funny story, actually. Um, and I'm glad that you asked this. My husband laughs every time I share this because Okay, well, let's tell you the story and then I'll tell you why. So (laughs) prior to this life, my husband and I have had several small businesses and my uh, last business was a soap and body products manufacturing company. And I... Whoa, did you guys do all that yourself? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. As in us guys, this guy, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this one and only. Yeah. So um, everybody thinks owning a small business, A, is really glamorous. Mm-hmm. And B... It's that, very sexy right now. Oh, it totally mm-hmm. is. And they think that you have so much control over your time which is a complete fallacy. Same with real estate. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I know they think we're just sitting around and this money just rolls in because you just (laughs) It's raining. Right, answering the phone, Uh you know? Uh It's like, oh, please, if you knew how many hours a day I actually work. 
so anyway, with the soap manufacturing company, it, we ran it completely out of our home. The plan in January of 2020 was I was going to move it out of our home and we were going to have a physical storefront and a manufacturing facility in the back so that we could facilitate not only retail, but fulfilling all of our wholesale orders. We had over 30 wholesale accounts, most of them here wow. in the state of Montana, Wow! but throughout the country, mm-hmm. people love our products. And I got to the point that I realized I was working 18 hours a day. Oh my gosh. My hands would become so swollen. I couldn't hold a fork to feed myself. I couldn't pick up things. I mean, I had like lobster claws, really just kind of bumbling around all the time. Oh my gosh. And on top of it, our youngest daughter is our only child still at home. And I had homeschooled her by choice, not because of COVID. We had homeschooled her completely until this last fall. How many kids? We have eight kids. She's the only one I homeschooled though. And there's a 10 year gap between her and the next one. So, whoa, you <laughs> can handle a lot. <laughs> you are ready for this business uh, just with eight kids. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. So, I just realized that I didn't want, I didn't want to die making soap. Yeah. <laughs> what you were doing was not sustainable. Not sustainable. I worked six days a week, 18 hours a day. Um, it was a good night if I had five hours of sleep. Wow. And, and then, you know, everybody would be like, oh, I bet you dream about your business. Actually, they're called nightmares and yeah. they are horrid. Right. You can't move fast enough. You can't get the things done. People are so angry at you. And then you wake up and then it's real. That's actually happening. And that's actually what's happening. It's just yeah. a right. different day it's happening on. So my days just became so blurred together and I didn't want, I didn't want that life anymore. I was just so exhausted. I couldn't function. And then... You can't be a mama or a, a wife, wife yeah. or a friend yeah. or nice. a daughter or nice. nice. Yeah. Like seriously, <laughs> you can't be nice. Yeah. No. Yeah. And there's way more back history too about different businesses that we've had. But I realized I had wanted to be in real estate years ago and have watched the market and have loved the market and feel that that really gave me a step up when I decided to transition because I already understood so much of the background of it. But there is a person very close to me who used to make comments all the time about how sleazy realtors are. They're dishonest. They don't work hard. They're I hear that at least once a week. Oh, I'm sure. And I from new agents yeah. that are our new clients are like, I don't like realtors for this and this and this reason. Yeah. I'm like, well, let me prove to you that I'm not going to be that realtor. Yeah, exactly. I have found um, being upfront when you meet with a client and just saying, look, I want to help you find what you need to find. And if that takes us two weeks or two years, I'm your girl. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm by your side. I'm no pressure. I want you to find this that works for you because this is a big choice. Mm -hmm. This is a big decision to do this. So you need to make sure it's the right one for you. So anyway, I let this person's poor opinion of realtors influence my decision to not become one. Mm. And then um, in the middle of the crazy holiday craziness, because when you're a small business owner and you're a product maker, you don't sleep because that's all you're doing. that's your cash time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's also your holidays. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, the last, um, so we had the soap company uh, for five years and well, six Anyway, the last three Christmases, I put up my Christmas tree Christmas Eve. Oh my goodness. And only because we had a little one still at home. If it had been up to me, I'd have been like, no, can I just take a nap? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I let this person's opinion of realtors hold me back. And then I just decided in the middle of all of this 
excessive work that I just couldn't do this anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't light my soul on fire anymore. I was not going to take over the world with soap. I realized that. And so I just said, I'm doing this. So I made the decision. And then a few weeks after I had made the decision to do it, my mom was diagnosed with um, terminal cancer. Mm. And she, she didn't live very long. It was a very aggressive, quick moving cancer. And I knew through that process... Okay, I told myself I wasn't going to cry today. Today's my mom's birthday. Oh, and I'm just cry. like, oh, happy okay, birthday, no. mama. Yeah, exactly. Cry it out. Like, nope. I, I, well, I, we can oh. cut it. We'll cut it. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to see that. Yeah. I am an ugly crier. Um, anyway, when, when my mom got diagnosed, was right about the time that I was like, yeah, okay, I've made my decision. And I knew life is too short. Yep. You cannot... You get, cannot wait for the right time. You don't get time back. Never, <clears throat> never get it back. No. And I did this for me. I absolutely did this for Hallelujah. me. So the funny part of the story, bumps. thanks. The funny part of the story is that person who said that was my husband. Oh. So I was like, same with my husband. I mean, that was back in my college days, but we, I made him go to every open house and I was obsessed with real estate ever uh-huh. since I was in high school. And he was the same. He said the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he didn't know that I was secretly pining away for this in the back until I just made the decision. And he actually has been such a great sport because I didn't tell him right away either. Mm. Why I, would you? I, I, I yeah. got my Why license. would you? Yeah. And my plan, like I said earlier, I, I was going to sell $2 million last year and I was going to wait until I had a commission check to say, oh, by the way, here's what I did. And <laughs> I was so dumb. The very first time I went on a listing uh, just to show a property, I had to print something from home Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to, but I was just really caught between a rock and a hard place. I printed it and I accidentally left one of the documents. It was just a tax statement, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. I accidentally left it on the printer. My husband found it and he's like, oh, what's this? Mm -hmm. Do you have something you want to tell me? And I was like, well, this wasn't how I thought this was going to go down. (laughs) What did he say? Was he happy or like? Shocked. He really? was shocked. And there have been very few things in all the years that have shocked him that much. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. I guess we're doing and, this. And he's not a speechless person. So the fact that he was speechless, but he was great. He was just like, okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll you know, that's the okay. thing about, you know, when you don't have the support of your husband, it's like, you can be so honest and open, but especially when you're trying something brand new. You're already nervous as it is, and you're already questioning yourself. And if you have that loved one that's questioning you, you doing it too, but you know in your gut that you're supposed to be doing it, that kind of pushes us to be dishonest. And because it's like, if I have one person say one negative thing about this, I'll tip in the other direction. But I know that this is the direction I should be going. So it pushes honest people into being dishonest. And honestly, he would have been so supportive. I just wasn't quite ready to vocalize it. It was totally me and not him. And you're really nice that you would sit back and just question it because I'd probably just throw a punch him. Like, (laughs) yeah, what do you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what does he think about it now? He loves it. That's awesome. He loves it. He is really, he is my biggest supporter. He always has been. I I didn't have a great support system growing up or as an adult. He has always been my biggest supporter. How long have you guys been together? We have been together. We just had our um, 18th wedding anniversary on New Year's Eve. Oh. Yeah. So... Uh, we're both married prior to finding each other. And that what is what makes our marriage so amazing now. Yeah. It's because we know how crappy it can be. And you oh, know yeah. how yeah. awful it is. And so we usually tell people we've been married 30 years because right. we're like, those years we spent in those other marriages. Uh, they count. They count. They uh, count. Especially when every day is 
hell. Yeah. You learn a lot and you learn frequently. I don't want to make this into a, a marriage counseling podcast, but <laughs> we do that there. too. We've been there. <laughs> Turns out we're married. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing though, is that when people go through hard times, they are so quick to blame everything on the other person in no relationship. Can you hundred percent blame it on anybody else. Even if no. it's one percent your fault, you have, have to, a piece. Yep. Mm-hmm. Always. Even if it's one percent, you have you to s- own your one percent of it. You mm-hmm. do. And I think the biggest piece that people miss when they go through a divorce is, and this is the reason why the statistic exists that you usually marry your second marriage is usually someone just like your first marriage, and you make the same choices and behave the same way because you didn't self-reflect, you didn't self-analyze. And you didn't say, this was my piece of the puzzle. This is what I'm accountable for. This is what I don't like about me. I want to improve on this. And this is how I become better. So I don't repeat this again. Wow. I, completely. And that goes with every relationship, whether it's Absolutely. friendships, parenthood, all of it. Mm-hmm. If you can have that self-reflection on where you messed up and where you can be better, that's all you can control because you can't control the people in your life. You know, I And wish... that's coming from a control freak. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. I wish I could have wrapped my head around that 30 years ago because I was convinced, no, if you're just strong enough, if you're just powerful enough, you can get people to do things your way. So no, that's not, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Would you mind, Tara, would you mind giving our listeners a ballpark bracket of what your age range is? Oh, of my kids? Of you. Oh, well, how about you tell me how old you think I am? 41. Oh, you're sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say 40s. Oh, you're so good. Um, I just turned 47 last weekend. So that's. You awesome. are making a major life change at 47. That is so inspiring. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the list of the top hardest things you can ever do in your life and career change is one of them. Ending a business is one of them and losing your parent is one of them. So you and had a triple whammy right at the, yeah. all at once. Right at the same time. Yeah. yeah totally. So what's your excuse? Right. You know, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I keep circling back to. You know, Tara was in her later 40s dealing with major life changes happening. And here she is, she's super successful. So, I mean, if you're hearing this and you're new or you're thinking about starting something new, starting a new career, whether it's in real estate or not, you know, it's doable. It's, it's doable. Yes, you can do it. You're and living your whole damn late. life. It's like, never do too it. late. It's yeah. never too late. And as long as you want something bad enough and you're willing to work, <clears throat> that's the key. It, you can't just want, you have to work. It is yeah. a two-piece equation. And you have to put the time in. So last week in your guys' podcast with Pollyanna, Mm -hmm. you were talking about physical distance of traveling to go show properties. And when you're new, you made this point, Alicia, that when you're new, you you have to pay your dues. You have to pay your dues. It's just like you can't walk in as a first-time home buyer and say, I want granite countertops. I want 5,000 square feet. I hear that all the time. And (laughs) it has to be at least four bedrooms. And it's just like, are you kidding me? We all started in a cracker box or a trailer house. I tell new agents, just get people in your car. Yeah, they might not be approved. (laughs) Lock them in. Flip the child, child safety lock. (laughs) But like, so like a good broker will tell you, make sure that they get their pre-approval letter. Make sure that you get this and this. Right. Just start, if you're new, once you get to a certain point, yes, you can start turning people away and saying you have to have these things. But when you start, yeah, they might not be able to buy now, but they'll buy later. Or maybe if they don't, can't ever buy, you can get a referral off of them. Just get in front yeah. of people, show them homes, get them in the house. Yep, yep. Yep. I had a client, a couple last week that I took to see a property and she's like, I don't even know if we can buy anything. 
Mm. I'm like, no problem. Let's just go look right. at it. Let's just figure out if this is even something you want to chase. And again, most brokers would tell you not to do that. No, oh, I don't even know if I can do it. Don't waste your time. All you have is time when you're a new agent. So get in front of people and mm-hmm. do whatever it takes to get them in their car. Yeah, it's a numbers game. Yep. So, okay, you don't want to buy a house right now? Fine. Who do you know that does? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't and know just, anybody? Okay, great. When you hear somebody, please share my and name. When you, Next. Ca- when you yeah. called me, you were kind of like deflecting or saying that, oh, well, I only have a few lots that I sold to start. And I'm, I'm like, no, that is amazing. <laughs> that's all you need is something to get the ball rolling. And the fact that your ball is already rolling shows that you're going to work hard. Yeah. And so what if it's a $170,000 lot? That's, that's still a paycheck. Yeah. And they might sell later. They're going to have no other people that liked you, that will refer you. So it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. And even just a review, a great review mm-hmm. because you took care of your clients. You said something really insightful that you can't chase the money. And we talked about that with Pollyanna as well. And yeah. I don't think we say that enough that you can't. Yes, we're working for the money. But so did you have a pretty good safety net or is your husband just like, yep, we're going to figure this out and I'm going to take care of you? Oh, like, he's my sugar daddy. Definitely. All right. All right. <laughs> Perfect. She did it right. Yeah. Um, no, we we are self-employed. Our other primary business has been what has sustained us and supported us for many, many years. When our other kids were little, um, all of our kids were really young when we got married. And for the record, everybody's always like, oh, so they're not your real kids. Uh, um, they always lived in my home. Uh, they, I was always. What a bunch mom. of bitches that would oh say that they're not your real kids. As if you're, as if you're not going to feed them and clothe them and love them and, and, and nurture them. You, loving children that you didn't give birth to is actually hard, harder than it yeah. is to love the ones you made. One hundred percent. Yeah, because then you're making the choice. So there's almost like I want to say a deeper love, but you're making that choice every day. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you like them or not. Right. But you show up and you Mm -hmm. prove to them that you love them. Um, Mm -hmm. Our youngest daughter, she's adopted. And we always tell her, we're like, all those other kids, they just showed up. We got to pick you. Yeah. You're our favorite. No kidding. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. You know, um, my dad had lots of wives. So I have had lots of reiterations. (laughs) Yeah. Reiterations of what a stepmother looks like. And, you know, I'll tell you, like, that's one of the hardest things to do. To come in as, as a stepmom, not necessarily, I mean, some of them tried to be my mom and some of them tried to be my friend, but I don't know that anybody ever got it right, but I, I know that it was really hard. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, seeing somebody else coming in who's now super important to your dad, you know, you can feel like second rate. So you kind of have some animosity towards them. It's a, this whole blended family thing is incredibly difficult. So the fact that you're navigating that with eight kiddos and a new career and losing your mama, which, yeah. you know, I mean, having the guiding light of having a mom in, in your life is, you know, can help a ton, especially when you're starting out something new. And so not having her in your world and doing all of that too. So the funny thing amazing. that you say about that, actually, my mom never was supportive of any of the things that I ever did. In fact, the, the morning um, that I was going to marry my husband, she said to me, she said, you know, independent women can ruin marriages. Oh, and I was like, okay, thanks, mom. I'll find oh. that one away. So I really had to fight to become the person that I am. I really yeah. had to overcome a lot. So, but getting back to the the thing with our kids, our kids 
always lived with us. They never lived anywhere else. They always lived with us. And we, from the beginning, were like, I'm the mom of the house. He's the dad of the house. Whatever you call us, it just can't be four letters and be Mm -hmm. a swear word. Right. (laughs) But I don't expect you to call me that, but I expect you to have respect and love each other, Mm -hmm. all of us. And people would look at us and no one knew. Unless they knew our story, that we were not a biological family. And it's crazy because that's how our kids treat each other too. You know, we are a family. Their brothers and sisters were the mom and dad and they recognize the value. It says so much about your relationship as well because you didn't ever get that break to rediscover each other as a couple. So you really found your way being parents and a couple at the same time. Yeah, I was 28 years old and I had seven children because we didn't have the youngest one then. And... I'm the oldest of five kids and the oldest of 25 grandkids. I grew up as the caretaker, but I can tell you the very first time my husband went out of town for business and I'm staring at seven faces. And oh I'm my just gosh. Like, oh my gosh. If they can just smell the fear, I'm dead. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they can totally take me out. Totally. That was the first time in my life I realized how outnumbered I really was. So people always say, how did you do it? It's just crowd control. Anything over four, <laughs> it's just crowd control. And it's like anything. You just do it. You just, you just do it. go forward and you, you just do, do it. it. And if you keep them fed, it helps. It does. It does help. Yeah. Keep them fed, keep them warm. But fed is actually a huge struggle because you have that many different people that are hungry at that many different times. We just went to Dallas, my husband and I with our kids and just two. We're saying that hardest part is keeping them fed the whole time. I mean, really, like, because we could go, we could eat a meal a day if, you know, when you're traveling yeah. and be fine, but they have to have their three meals and the snacks. And, yeah. So Can you I, imagine three meals? I know. Three right. meals in and, a day. Right. Like, Who does that? I'm like three meals in a week. <laughs> Does wine count? Then I'm okay. Then I'm getting a little closer. (laughs) I know. So it's funny because I hear so many people. I actually said this the other day. I just said, oh, if I had somebody who could come cook for me, that would be awesome. And the person said to me, oh, you don't like to cook? And I'm like, no, actually, I love to cook. I'm Mm -hmm. a from scratch cook. I raised my children cooking from scratch. Right. And honestly, it kind of made them biased towards other people's food. And they still, as adults, come home and like, mom, will you make this? This is the best. No one makes it as good as you and I'm like oh that's that's the best thing when your kids like my son says the the nicest thing like he says mom nobody makes biscuits and gravy the way that you do I've had biscuits and gravy all over and nobody's are like yours can you please make it for me because I make like super thick gravy and cornbread is that my iteration of it yeah I don't know I don't know it's totally biscuits and gravy person it's like a poor it's like a poor family's you know I love biscuits I know it's like it's not there's nothing fancy about it so tell me, Tara, what did you think was the hardest thing about getting your career up and running? That's a really good question. Um, you know, once I kind of got past the drinking out of a fire hose analogy, which it was intense last year, just mm-hmm. crazy, crazy, crazy trying to keep up with things. And I've become a list maker. I used to be able to remember everything, not anymore. So I have no. to write everything down and double check. Down. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, and have to have those systems, those chest checklists to make sure I can go through, okay, did I get this? Did I get that? Da, 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 da. The hardest thing, that's, that's a really good question. Probably a combination of a couple things. I'm really fortunate that I've lived in my community for oh my gosh, yes. all these years. That's so huge. people know me and we've, I'm an extrovert in case you didn't know this, but um, so I, I can talk to a tree, I, you know, I'm, you know, so that helped. 
but it still, it's been just trying to get myself in front of enough people Yeah. because once I talk to them, I know I can solidify that connection with them. It's just getting myself in front of enough people. So that's where I turn to social media and I'm like, all right, you're going to hear me and see me until you're sick of me. Owning that you're an agent and not being, because when you started, you said you didn't really want your husband to know and you're nervous about it and didn't want anyone to know until you were under contract but you have to let everyone know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thankfully I haven't been in that situation where anybody's been like, oh, we went with so-and-so because- Oh, just wait. I know it's coming. coming. I know it is. It's heartbreaking. Oh Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I know it is. Get out of my head. (laughs) It does. It's one of those things I've prepared the agents that work underneath me for and they're like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. Oh no, it'll crush me. It it, it crushes you so much more than you think it will. That it'll keep you up at night. It eats away at you. I've gotten so much better at it, just letting it go, especially when you have a lot in the pipeline and under contract. But when a good friend uses somebody else or a family member, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it hurts. Yeah. The closest one I had was just that a client, I showed them a property. They wanted to make an offer on it. We went in to write the paperwork and then they ghosted me which I know happens. And then the next morning he's like, oh, well, my wife decided that she, my sister sells real estate in, I don't know, Oklahoma, Kansas, I don't know, somewhere over there. And she gave us a referral for an agent here. So we're going to work with them. I'm like, I give her the referral. (laughs) That's where like I try to get on, I mean, it's, you don't know, but I'll be like, I'll give them a a family member referral just to keep that business. And and I wish I had been able to even have that option because they were already under contract when he shared that with me, (sighs) with this other agent. And he, you know, those people, you you feel bad for them because they're so worried about what your response is going to be that they don't stop talking. And they're just like, okay, thanks. Bye. Oh, and so you didn't even get a, I didn't even get a chance to say anything. I was like, oh, okay. I feel yeah. like friends and family are always the hardest. I was just talking to somebody and yesterday and they had told me that their husband, who's a cousin to my husband, had refinanced with a local credit union. And I was like, why did you at least just call? call? Yeah. yeah, just call. Like, yeah. you, are you new here? Or I, right. do you know what I do? I, I mean, what's wrong with you? It's not a secret. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I don't know, the friends and family thing. It's like, why is it that I can sell anything to literally anybody unless it's my friends or family? I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're yeah. all bitches. I have a cousin. <laughs> or it's actually my dad's cousin. So like my second cousin, but I've sold quite a bit for her and bought quite a bit with her and we just got something under contract and I gave her the buyer broker and just did a six month thing and she wouldn't sign it. She's like, I want to keep my options open. And we've done so much for them. I was just, and she's quirky and a different person, but is she going to listen to this podcast? As I was wondering too. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know, maybe they should hear it. Maybe, right. maybe yeah. they yeah. should hear it because you know, I feel an obligation to support the businesses of my friends and family. And I try really hard to refer and try to send in, especially, and I don't mean to make this sound sexist, but especially ladies, you know, I try to support the the local lady owned coffee shops, you know, instead of the mm-hmm. big name people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I try to support women owned businesses and, and especially those of my friends. I mean, talk about, we've seen online on social a ton, like let's stop having like baby showers and start doing business showers and start showering oh, each that. other or, or include that. Like yeah. start showering each other over, over their businesses and Cause it's hard. It's hard. Like what you went it through is. with starting a brand new business, how much better it would have been for your friends and family to get together and be like, let's support Tara and lift her up and let her know that she's going to be okay. And that we've got her back. 
Mm-hmm. That would be so welcome. Yes. We should do that, Alicia. Yes. I we should love find somebody idea. and just charge in on their business and throw them a party. Right, right. I well, love that. And the best part of that is those relationships always stand the test of time. When you show up in somebody's life, it's a game changer. It really is. And you come into people's lives when we're doing real estate in such pivotal moments, mm-hmm. sometimes good, sometimes bad, but we are a huge part of that. And it's really rewarding, even if it's a sad moment, to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I had this really sweet client who... They just bought a land parcel. It wasn't a big thing, but it was huge to them. That's big for them. So it was big to them. So they, I was going to say they wanted to flee the state they were living in, living in because of their governor. But now everybody's heard that. So anyway, they don't want to live there anymore. I get that call probably once a week. Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so apparently they had called a bunch of other realtors and there was one realtor that they were going to buy a home because they had sold theirs, their home where they lived had closed or would be in a couple of days. And so they were going to buy a home and then they wanted to buy land to build on in time. Right. And so they were going to transition that way. And the realtor that they were working with on the home purchase, when they said, hey, what about this lot? We'd like to go look at it. And he's like, oh, I can't be bothered for something like that. And so he didn't take them to see the lot. And guess what else? Shame on him. He lost the transaction on the house. Mm-hmm. He lost them completely. So when they reached out to me and I said, oh, yeah, would you like to do a virtual tour? I can go in like two hours and do that. I said, yeah because we had some plans that morning and they nearly fell off their couch, they said. So that's hard to fall off a couch. (laughs) (laughs) We should try. (laughs) Um, So anyway, they were that right there. They were so impressed with, and then they ended up, you know, we closed on that transaction and they sent me the sweetest present at Christmas Mm -hmm. full of all their favorite things. They're like, these are our favorite things. We hope you love them too. Oh, that's a good idea. It was so sweet. But they're going to tell their friends because they have friends and their friends are coming here too. And they're going to tell their friends, be like, you know, if if this is the gal to call. And because, you know, I think about people purchasing land and we don't get to work with the folks that purchase land. It's not one of our products, but I know that you guys get to a lot and it's the beginning of their building their dream. Yeah. And what a great time to build some, uh, buy some land right now. Holy Mm -hmm. cow. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you can find land in Montana right now, you should buy it. Right. Okay. So what are your goals for 2022? Well, after the humbling experience of 2021 of not doing two mil, um, my broker says that is my goal this year. Um, I definitely would love to hit. You're going to crush that. that. So, You're going to oh, get yeah. way oh, more. Thanks. That book you gave me, Colleen, what was the name of that book Where for setting goals? Uh, oh, 10 times. Oh, the 10X rule? The 10X rule. Yeah, the 10X rule is a great one. It definitely. I mean, the whole premise idea behind the 10X rule, which is by Grant Cardone. Oh, he's great. He is great. He's a lot. Yeah. But he's he's great. He's very inspirational. And I've done his conferences and stuff. And he is every bit of who he is on his podcast. And him, he has that energy. And he's amazing, especially for salespeople. But to take your goal and 10x it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, make your make your goal 20 million. Because and the whole point of it is so let's say you hit 2 million. Great. You hit 2 million. But your goal, let's say your goal is 10 million and you hit five. Sweet. That's I mean, that's way better. That's two and a half times what your goal was. Yeah. So 
changing our expectations of our goals. And if you don't hit your goals, that's not the end of the world. It's not yeah. the end of the world because you have to celebrate that success. Yes. No matter what that looks like, it is success. So are you guys familiar with Great Britain's cycling team and the changes that they went through? No, tell us about it. Okay, so um, we can't fact check this because I don't remember the exact date. So I'm not going to throw out any years. <laughs> but once, We don't have pretend fact checkers. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> you have real ones because they're uh, just do they exist? <laughs> I'm not real sure that they do. Um, okay, so the premise of this is that, you know, the cycling world is really a big deal to people who are into that. And Great Britain had a horrible cycling team. And they, like all teams, when you're focused on a goal, they, they want to pull the big rabbit out of the hat. So they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to do this extreme eating program over here. Or we're going to, you know, buy these $30,000 bikes or something ridiculous like that, right? Okay, so we all know that that's not sustainable or attainable, right? right. You can't stay consistent on extremism. So they, they hired a new coach and this coach came in and said, no, all I want you to do is improve by 1%. So yep. how much time does it take you to ride this distance? Shave off 1%. How, how much weight do you need to gain or lose or what's your eating plan? Let's just take off 1%. Let's eliminate 1% of the weight of the bike. What's 1% of the weight of your shoes? What's 1% of the weight of your clothes? And by taking off that 1%, it gave them huge growth because that 1% adds to the next 1% and adds, and it becomes exponential. 100%, yeah. yeah. I really, really like that. You can take that even just with calling somebody, let's just have this call 1% better. Mm-hmm. Let's get in mm-hmm. front of this person, be just 1% better than I was yesterday. Yeah. You're, one more gr- phone call today. Or one, one more f- phone call. That's what I was One more yep. phone yeah. call today yeah. and do one more phone call tomorrow and keep going. I mean, I think 2022, and I know we've talked about this, but I feel like 2022 is going to be the year of doing business the way that we were supposed to do business the last two years. Doing cold calls, meeting with people face-to-face, handwritten thank you cards, making sure that you're getting out in front front of as many people. After our events, we all got lazy on those, didn't we? Because COVID told us we didn't have to go. Guess what? We need to go. We need to go. We need to meet people. We need to see people. We need to expand our circles and start milking new cows. Because you keep milking the same cows over and over and over again, you're going to run out of milk. So you got to you got to go make new friends. Yep. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That exposure and just connection with people, you know, the six degrees of separation. It's really cool to see how we're all interconnected and how it all comes together. And by supporting each other, like you were talking about with, especially with women businesses and our local businesses, you know, for us being in the small community that we are, that is how our businesses survived COVID is because we all stepped up. We rallied and we said- We bought gift cards. We did it. I yep. can't even tell you how much stuff I bought. I, I can't tell you how much I left in tips. Yeah. In tips or gift cards that I bought that I never used because I'm like, honestly, this is not a place I would ever right. eat at. It's but not you can gift food, it. But you can gift it. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what we've done. And now I finally feel like people have finally put their money where their mouth is and have- delivered on their actions by saying, yeah, I support local. Yeah. Yeah. I care about local businesses. I care about doing my part because it is our part. And it comes back around. It It does. I mean, if you keep it local, that money stays here and Mm -hmm. it flows. 
what is that? I think it comes seven times. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Every yeah. dollar, yep. seven yeah. times. Absolutely. So, yeah. So getting back to your goals comment though, that, yeah, I am super excited. I have great big goals. Um, I think 2 million for this year is a great place to I'm just- I'm not okay with that I, goal for I you. Think, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's really safe. And We don't want safe goals. I know. Safe goals. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to push you a little bit and I'm going to say- what are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm thinking. I think honestly, like, I mean, with what you can do and how much you've learned in your first year, there's no reason you can't do five. I was thinking five too. Okay. Five sounds good. Five is good. Cause if you <laughs> shoot for the moon, at least if you miss the moon, you're going to end up among the stars. And I know you're in a different market than us and Polson doesn't have as many properties to sell and mm-hmm. it is, it's still expensive, but not as expensive as Bozeman. So it's probably equivalent of somebody doing 10 here, which is, a, that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want you to do five. Okay. And we're going to check in next year. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tara. We're so glad you came all the way down to Bozeman to come and see us. That was a long way. Oh, it was great. That's a long way. We love Bozeman. So it was a good excuse to come. Well, you guys are awesome. Thank Thank you you. so much. It was awesome to get to chat. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode of Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate. 